Yo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Dark Racial Humor. A little bit of Nipsey Hustle for you to start off the episode. All right, I'll be honest with you, that's the uh, the second time, the second time I've listened to the late Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace. Um, you heard the news, do I even gotta go into it? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Dark Racial Humor, free-flowing, in-depth conversation about whatever is appropriate at the time. And right now is the time to tell you that today is going to be a solo show, because last show was such an abomination because myself and my co-host, Caller John, were not in the same location, so we had to phone it in, and it was just god-awful. Um, it was just trash. It was bullshit. And there's no excuse for it. And so, you know what? Um, I'm just going to have to do this one myself because Caller John is out of town. So, um, we have a great episode for you today. Um, luckily, I have the the crutch on my side of the past week of news to talk about. So much to get into. Man, it's just going to be it's gonna be a solid episode of me listening to myself talk. Um, I don't even know if I introduced myself. My name is Bon Jen. Um, I am almost live here from Adobe House Records South Los Angeles, California, where the great Nipsey Hussle was taken from us. Um, yeah, so, uh, God, Nipsey Hussle is, uh, was, um, murdered in cold blood, unfortunately, Outside of his um, clothing store, if I understand it. And I'm going to be honest with you, folks. You probably already um, realize that I am not a big Nipsey Hussle fan. But uh, this man's death actually had a way bigger impact than I expected. Truly. Like, we're like three days after, two, three days after, and it's still like all over social media, and I'm just like, wow, but, um, yeah, no, I'm really, um, didn't really know much about him personally, I knew he had had a lot of business ventures, he was, um, a man who was more than rap, a man who, um, really made great strides to give back to his community, and, Pull the community together, and it is truly, um, truly a sad, uh, sad, unfortunate event that uh, he was taken from us. Um, we're gonna talk more about that and other controversies that are uh, going around uh, the internet surrounding his death um, later in today's episode, and also on the following episode with myself and Caller John. I'm sure that's gonna be a great conversation. Um, but first, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what's going on. So, apparently, um, the guy who shot Nipsey Hussle, he was shot six times, um, was at large for the past couple of days in Los Angeles. LAPD was going crazy looking for this guy. 
And as of about 30, 45 minutes ago, um, a suspect has been arrested uh, for the killing of Nipsey Hussle. Here's a little bit of that from ABC News. Breaking news out of Los Angeles tonight, an arrest just a short time ago in the murder of Grammy-nominated rapper Nipsey Hussle. These images just coming in tonight, police taking the suspect into custody. Authorities do not believe this was gang-related. What they're now saying about this tonight, and it comes amid that new surveillance showing the moment the artist was shot and killed. ABC's Adrian Bankert from Los Angeles. Tonight, after an aggressive all-out manhunt, authorities say they've captured 29-year-old Eric Holder, the prime suspect in the murder of rapper Nipsey Hussle. There he is. There he is. The news comes just hours after police called for him to turn himself in. To Mr. Holder, who I am confident is watching this and is listening to these media accounts, I ask him to surrender. Police scouring surveillance videos gathered from the scene, including this one obtained by TMZ. It shows the suspect talking to Hustle, leave, then return before opening fire and escaping in a white Chevy Cruze driven by a woman. Police say his murder was not a gang fight, but a personal dispute. Overnight, a vigil for the Grammy-nominated artist in the parking lot where he was murdered. It turned into a stampede after someone brandished a gun. David, mourners continue to file in here at the vigil to pay their respects. Police say this was not gang-related, but a personal dispute. David. Adrian Bankert with us again. Okay. He's been caught. All right. Cool. Interesting. So, um, huge topic of discussion here. Um, and I guess uh, this settles that. Was this gang-related? You know, I've heard a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of, a lot of Twitter stories saying that the government killed Nipsey Hussle because they tried to silence him because of a, a documentary he's working on. Um, that seems the, the, the most far-fetched to me personally. Um, one was mentioned about how um, Nipsey was doing everything in his power to remedy gang relations in Los Angeles communities. And um, someone was just like, you know what, fuck that. I'm going to murder this guy, and gangs are going to turn on each other once again. Um, that one made a little more sense to me, uh, but apparently the whole thing was not gang-related. Um, so it really, and they said it was um, a personal dispute. Maybe that's all it was. Maybe it was just um, a violent act of aggression, a very stupid guy just got angry and was like, you know what, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. Um, really fucking awful. Um, regardless of whether he knew who he was, who he was killing or not, like, you shouldn't fucking do that <laughs> to a person. Sorry to sound like I'm laughing, but I just think it's fu funny that it would even matter whether Nipsey Hussle is famous or not. Like, he's still a person. Doing good by his community. Real sad. Um, yeah, and this guy deserves to rot away for life because uh truly awful. He had like a family, you know. Awesome. Cool. Now I'm fucking crying and shit. God damn it. I'm sorry guys. <laughs> I hear so much nipsy hustle. Don't even listen to this guy. Street, 
Okay, I'm back. I'm back, and I am composed, and I am ready to continue this episode of Dark Racial Humor, because that's what you come here, folks, for, folks. This fucking entertaining news, this fucking get down, get down, get down. Um, What's good with uh, our boy Jesse Smollett? You know, we have been covering this. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Oh, man, drinking water too fast. We've been covering this um, Jesse Smollett case since the beginning. You've been coming here to get your Jesse Smollett news. And during the biggest part of the fucking the case, the case where he was dropped of all 16 felony charges, um, we weren't in town to bring you that information. So instead we brought you a bullshit episode and the ratings prove it, the money proves it for sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, now I'm back trying to remedy the situation, um, to bring you, uh, some more Jesse Smollett news. So, Hollywood is taking sides. Jesse Smollett was nominated for an NAACP award. Host, Anthony, uh, whatever his name is, that guy from Blackish, said, and I quote, I hope he wins. I would love to hear his speech. Chris Rock hops on stage at the NAACP Awards and he basically just confirms what I have been lightly saying for the past couple weeks that you can't um, basically it's kind of hard to have individual thought in terms of politics and race relations if you are um, African American um, and Chris Rock proves it with this speech. I'm going to play it right now. Let's take a listen. Uh, I guess I got to present an award. They said no Jesse Smollett jokes. Right here, I'm going to pause it. Okay, they said no Jesse Smollett jokes. NAACP Awards said no Jesse Smollett jokes. The National Association for Advancement of Colored People. Yeah, I looked it up. Fuck you. Um, yeah, okay, so... Um, sounds a little protective if you ask me. Um, thankfully, Chris Rock is a free thinker. So we're just going to continue with this speech from the NAACP Awards and see what he has to say about no Jesse Smollett jokes. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. What a waste of light skin, you know? You know what I could do with that light skin? That curly hair, my career would be out of here. Be fucking running Hollywood. Um, yes, no, 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 just... <laughs> What the hell was he thinking? <laughs> from now on, I ain't never gonna know just you're Jesse from now on. You don't even get the you no more. <laughs> you can see um, a bunch of people uncomfortably laughing in the um, in the audience. You had that girl from that that show Insecure. What was her name? What's her name? 
Um, she looked uh, pretty uncomfortable laughing at that 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 joke from Chris Rock. Do I support Jesse? Do I not? I'm on uh, I'm on I'm on TV right now. Uh, um, and then you had uh, Trevor Noah, of course, pretending to laugh as hard as he can because you know all comedians have to do that for some reason. Like Chris Rock over exaggerates his laugh whenever he's laughing for the paparazzi. It's fucking weird, bro. No joke is that funny, man. Honestly, truly. Tell me a joke fun funny enough to justify you laughing how hard you fucking look like you're laughing in every picture of you at the Laker game courtside with Jay Z. Like what is he whispering in your ear that's making you fucking Kevin Hart, one of the highest paid comedians of all time, laugh that hard? Why doesn't Jay Z just do stand up if he's so fucking funny? I don't I don't know. I don't know. Come on, man. I don't know. Images, everything. Okay, so back to whatever the hell we were talking about. NAACP, Chris Rock, um, basically saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to – I am not going to uh, say what you want me to say. I am uh, an individual person, um, so I'm going to go ahead and make a Jesse Smollett joke because you know what? I'm going to tell people what I truly think of the situation. Um, Chris Rock wasn't the only one to take aim at Mr. Jesse Smollett. Um, apparently Tracy Morgan also said something funny, which I am looking up for the first time right now. Because this is dark racial humor. Uh, but what, I heard you got a new gig though. Yeah, I'm. Uh, they gave me a role on Empire. They did. Yeah. Now, what is your? Uh... What are you gonna What are you gonna do on, on, on Well, that? contractually, they give me millions of dollars. Contractually, all I gotta do is not fake a hate crime. That's all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> that's all you have to do. That's all I have to do. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you don't you don't you don't you don't buy that story. What? What happened? Nah, man. Come on. First of all, uh, racist people don't be jumping nobody in the polar vortex. <laughs> so you're saying it's too cold? Yeah, man. Neo racists don't be watching Empire, man. It's too cold. They say we be racist in the spring. Because <laughs> it was like 10 seconds of footage. Mm. And then he disappears for like two seconds. Then he reappears with the noose on his neck still holding the Subway sandwich. <laughs> he ain't let that Subway sandwich go. <laughs> I think it was pepperoni and cheese. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was the giveaway there. He's still yeah, holding his... Of course. Yeah. Uh, it's true. He was still holding that Subway sandwich. Thank God. Thank God. They let him get away with not only his life, but the Subway sandwich. And he went home, and he chowed down on that motherfucker 40 minutes before he called the police. He had to get that fucking sandwich eaten. Okay, that's beside the point. Hollywood is uh, choosing sides here. Um, even Jimmy Fallon, during this whole spiel, was looking quite uncomfortable. Um, and thank God Jesse Smollett didn't go to the NAACP Awards, because that would have been horrible. He would have gotten eaten alive. It would have been horrible. Oh, man. Career's over. Um, apparently, it's deeper than just jokes, folks. Um, Jesse's uh, attorney, forgot her name, 
may be under investigation soon for her whole thing. I don't know. The the mayor of Chicago's pissed. The the police chief of Chicago is pissed. They have even gone so far to suggest that Jesse Smollett pay a fine upwards of $130,000 for abusing police resources. Yes. So Jesse already paid his um uh Jesse already paid his fine for the fucking bond which is $10,000. I mean, if you're if you're innocent, if I was innocent, I wouldn't like want to pay that money anyway. Anyway, this is according to APnews.com. Um, a brewing battle over Chicago's demand that Jesse Smollett recoup the city more than $130,000 for an investigation into his report of a racist, anti-gay attack and the Empire Actors Department apparent determination not to pay it could ultimately lead to a civil lawsuit where a jury would have to answer the question that was supposed to be answered in criminal court. Was the attack staged or not? So, city wants $130,000 for... You know, using taxpayer money to pay people to work on this case. Because $10,000 ain't going to cut it. Jesse's like, no. It's going to go to civil court. And it's they're going to ask the same question again. And we're going to see um, if the same thing happens again. It's a really interesting case to go down in the history of law. Honestly. Um... He's definitely someone that's going to be uh, notable for this long um, into the future and less for his role on Empire. Um, the Empire writer's room actually tweeted see you at work on Wednesday after he was um, um, all of his charges were dropped. So, you know, maybe he's back on the show. But this isn't an Empire podcast. My Empire podcast is coming soon. Don't you worry, folks. Um... So yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's all the uh, the airtime I want to give to Jesse Smollett right now. Cause honestly, like this case kind of sucks. Like this, this case ruined my family vacation. Like, come on, a, a fucking a family should not be arguing about the Jesse Smollett case over breakfast in Cabo. Come on, man. That, it's mostly my fault. It's mostly my fault. But I didn't bring it up. But, you know, it happens. All right. Um, we're going to be back after a break. This is Dark Racial Humor. Want slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life. I've been grinding all my life. Look, I got everything I said I was going to get. Oh, my kid. In addition to that fact, I went legit. I'm the shit now. According to the way that I'm positioned. In this biz, it looks like I'm just going to keep on getting rich. Ah. Know them Westside RSCs is us. LAPD on my dick, I'ma squeeze and bust. If a rap nigga did switch cheese and fuss, all this rap money nigga look, I need to run. Never to a 14, 14 to a whole thing. Lord knows it's a cold game. Switched up on you hoes, man. Big body take both lanes. Backseat blowing propane. All black, fire, gold chains, young rich nigga bossed up on his own, man. My new shit sound like a soul train. Tookie Williams over Co-Train. Eric B by the rope chain. RC, we for show bang. Tiny Lokes and they go crazy. What you know about the dope gang? Was you born in the What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, 
y'all. This is Dark Racial Humor, free-flowing, in-depth conversation about whatever's appropriate at the time. My name is Bon Jin. This is episode 62. And all episode, we are honoring the life of Mr. Late Nipsey Hussle. Um, yeah, great guy. This is my third song I've listened to of Nipsey Hussle. Um, really enjoying the music now after he's dead. It always tastes better after death for some reason. It's super weird. It's super weird. Okay, so we have a lot more news to get into. Um, damn, so much news. I just love like just having shit to talk about. I can just sit back. I can relax. I don't have to like struggle to you know find find just like bullshit. You know, it's 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 a nice relaxed episode. I don't have a co-host. He's yelling in my face. You know, just, just spitting in my water. Um. Just kidding. All love. All love over here. Um, yeah, so sorry for leaving you listeners waiting. Let's jump back into it. So, um, Special Olympics. Dun 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 Betsy DeVos last week proposed that. We should cut the eighteen million, seventeen point six million dollars that fund the Special Olympics. Of course, outrage from really both sides of the aisle on this one. Um, the seventeen point six dollars is so little in the grand scheme of things. I don't really know why you would cut it, like. Um, but this is uh, from usatoday.com. President Donald Trump said he would jettison a proposal to slash funding for the Special Olympics, undercutting Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. Speaking with reporters at the White House before embarking to Michigan for a rally, Trump said he would keep the program funded. DeVos was the target of widespread Criticism for proposing to eliminate a federal funding for the Special Olympics. The $17.6 million would be a small part of the $7 billion proposed cuts that the department um, that will trim department spending by uh, 10%. DeVos, however, proposed additional funding for a few programs, including charting schools and tax credit for individual companies that donate to scholarships for private schools. Okay. Um, thoughts on this? Like I said, um, $17.6 million is so little. Why cut it in the first place? Um, like, the Special Olympics aren't harming anybody. And also, Special Olympics gets so much money, so much outside money from private donors. Like, even if funding were to be cut, the Special Olympics would still happen. Like... They would probably get 10 times more donors if the government cut the Special Olympics. But it's doing so little harm of the government funding like this thing that makes so many people happy and really like equalizes competitive sports like for you know people with special needs. So why the fuck not? Like, you know, for the principal. Um... So, yeah, uh, do I think that's a huge deal? Um, not really. Because, like I said, it would receive so much outside money from private donors 
anyway, um, fuck what I say. Here's the man himself talking about it because I'm tired of talking. Let's bring in Caitlin Huey Burns and Sean Sullivan. Caitlin is a CBSN political reporter, and Sean is a national political reporter for The Washington Post. Thanks to you both for being here. Uh, Caitlin, let me start with you on this walk back from the president on this Special Olympics uh, budget proposal uh, to cut the funding. Here's what he told reporters about this before leaving for his rally in Michigan. Special Olympics will be funded. I just told my people I want to fund the Special Olympics. And I've just authorized a funding of the Special Olympics. I've been to the Special Olympics. I think it's incredible. And I just authorized a funding. I heard about it this morning. I have uh, overridden my people with funding the Special Olympics. I mean, Caitlin, so interesting to hear the president say that he just heard about it this morning and he's overridden his people. And it's the president's own budget, which is important to point out. And here he is responding to the public pressure kind of off the fly. And it raises questions that we've seen throughout his administration. What is his hidden agenda? It has to be something. He has to be doing something under the rug. Think, think critically what he could he possibly be doing by funding the Special Olympics. Hmm. Hmm. Of course, there always has to be something, right? Wrong. No, probably not. Maybe he's just funding the Special Olympics because why not? Um, it's kind of like when he was taking steps to decriminalize being gay in other countries. And people were like, oh. specifically Out Magazine, like, I don't, like, you know, he can he can do like some good things sometimes, like even though he's like an oaf, a cartoon character, just a classless oaf. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes he could like do something good. So there, there you go. That's the thing. That's it's okay. Let's just all be fucking friends, goddammit, in the name of Nipsey Hussle. Jesus. Jesus. What else is going on? God damn it. Got me pissed off. Fuck. I'm just kidding. Okay, so, um... U.S. government declares Grinder a national security risk. This was a phenomenal piece. This is from uh, Fortune.com. Grinder, one of the most popular dating apps with the LGBTQ community, is up for sale after the U.S. government panel declared it a national security risk. A report from Reuters says Chinese gaming company Beijing Kunlun Tech Co. decided to sell the app, which is uh, which it has owned for three years. After uh, after learning about the designation from the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, it's unclear what the committee's concerns were, but U.S. officials have been increasingly wary of Chinese own companies handling extensive amounts of personal data for Americans, especially if military or government personnel might use those products or services. Grindr had already been under public scrutiny after revelations last year that it was sharing the HIV status of its users without their permissions. Holy shit, I didn't know about that. The crackdown is the latest in a series of moves against Chinese businesses by the Trump administration, which is already seeking to ban all telecom equipment from Huawei Telecommunications the company is suing to block the action Beijing Kunlun's decision to sell will likely mean an end, at least temporarily, to the planned IPO at Grindr. The group bought its stake in the company in, in uh, 2016 for $93 million and took full ownership last year. The app, as of 2016, has boasted some 27 million users as of last year. Okay, so, 
Um, first of all, before I get into the story, I have to say, why in the fucking hell would you ever use an app that is owned by a Chinese company? Because the government, the Chinese government could easily seize all that data. Your location, all the nudes you send, your HIV status. Like, okay, come on. Um, holy shit. That's no. That's basically what happened. This Chinese company bought Grinder in 2016 for 93 million dollars, and so now a Chinese company has basically all this data about Americans, and I feel like no one cares. But um, apparently, the Trump administration cares because they're making moves to bring the company back to America, so that you know the Chinese government can't seize all that sensitive American data. Um, awesome. Okay, that's great. That's great. Not good news for Grinder though. That that planned IPO is probably gonna have to uh take a take a take a back seat for a little bit. Um, I'm sure there are alternative. I'm like, doesn't can't you just like use Tinder? Can't you use Tinder for everything? Or Bumble? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about the that young uh. A young 2020 election coming up, yo. What's going on with Biden? This is a post from the New York Times. The Wrong Time for Joe Biden. By Michelle Goldberg. He's not a sexual predator. But he's out of touch. Opinion column. Holy shit, this is long. Okay. I'll just read a little bit. On Friday, Lucy Flores, a former Democratic candidate for Lintunic Governor Nevada, accused Joe Biden of touching her inappropriately as they waited to take the stage at a 2014 election rally. He put his hands on her shoulders, she said, then nuzzled her hair and kissed the back of her head. She didn't accuse Biden, who was reportedly close to announcing his presidential candidacy of sexual harassment or assault, just of making her uncomfortable. I'm not suggesting that Biden broke any laws, but the transgressions that society deems minor or doesn't even see as transgressions often feel considerable to the person on the receiving end, she wrote. Okay, so what is going on here? This girl felt uncomfortable around Joe Biden, who is known to be a little touchy-feely because he's 72 years old, and you know how 72-year-olds can be, right? Weird. Creepy. Um, He likes to grab shoulders. He likes to kiss on the head. He doesn't sexually assault. He just oversteps his boundaries when he's touching women, just, you know, making them feel uncomfortable. In the age of the Me Too era, and... In, um, in the age of the Me Too era, this is honestly like it's uh his 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 candidacy is pretty much over. Like, I'm just gonna be straight up about it, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting that it's coming from the Democratic side too. Um, even though there's no explicit um saying he sexually assaulted me, she even said no, he just made me feel uncomfortable. Um, like, this is, like, not going to be good. If this were a Republican, you know, he would be, like, dragged to the sand. Absolutely. But, you know, this is, um, one of those things is definitely going to gonna hurt him. And he probably, uh, here's a response to it. He responds, Biden released a statement saying that while he's often been physically affectionate as a politician, not once, never, did I believe I acted inappropriately. And you know what? I believe him. Um... I just think he's a little 
touchy-feely, and unfortunately, that is going to help his pre- hurt his presidential campaign. Yikes. Sorry, bro. Um, Let's talk about Mr. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Mr. Bernie Sanders has been killing it so far in his race to the White House. Mr. 77-year-old Bernie Sanders has earned a whopping... million in six weeks. This is according to the New York Times. Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont has raised $18.2 million over the first six weeks of his presidential bid. His campaign announced Tuesday a display of financial strength that cements his status as one of the top fundraisers in the sprawling Democratic field. Mr. Sanders received amidst 900,000 contributions from 525,000 individual donors. His campaign manager, Faiz Shakir, said the average donation was $20 compared with 27 in Mr. Sanders' 2016 presidential campaign. Mr. Shakir said that as a majority of Mr. Sanders' donors were under the age of 39 and that 20% of all donors had not contributed to Mr. Sanders' previous campaigns. He said that 88% of the total money raised came from donors giving $200 or less. Mr. Sanders' announcement of his fundraising for the first quarter of the year had been highly anticipated as he was expected to reveal a sizable total. Presidential candidates must report their first quarter fundraising to the Federal Election Commission by April 15th, but they can choose to disclose information before the deadline. Mr. Sanders um, is killing it right now um, in terms of donations. He is definitely in first place. Um... And I am currently looking up the uh, amount of donations because you know me, la 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 la. I don't know. Okay, so he's in first place, I believe. Um, fucking followed by Kamala Harris, and then Mr. Beto O'Rourke. Joe Biden has not officially put his hat in the race, but as we all know, he doesn't even need to because he's not going to do very well because he is a little too touchy-feely. Bernie Sanders is going to be the top Democratic pick in the 2020 election. I say this every episode because he is the most in line with what that side of the radical side of the party sees today. They're all about that socialism. It's proven because the media continues to prop AOC up as a goddess with her socialist ID ideology um they love that the kids the kids love that um not only that bernie sanders is quote unquote woke um he is appealing to the african-american community by saying that uh republicans are creating or repressing black black voters at the polls um which is untrue because i'm black and and i currently live in a low income neighborhood and i voted in a low income neighborhood with lots of other black people and it was re- honestly a little too easy and also um in 2008 um black people overrepresented for their demographic in terms of um voter turnout for Obama so to say that there's like 
voter suppression is kind of untrue. Like, the only thing you really need is a driver's license, and how hard is it to get that? Not very. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's honestly pandering. I don't think he believes what he's saying. He's just really trying to, really trying, really trying to win, um, win that, um, that African-American vote, because, um, I feel like, um, that's a really important, a really important demographic to win if you are running um, as a Democrat right now. Um, he's running up against two other African Americans, Kamala Harris from San Francisco and Cory Booker from New Jersey. Um, and yeah, so they're just going to try their best to outwoke, outleft each other. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be great. I love it. Um, yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with a couple more stories. It's been a real relaxing episode. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, guys, hey, what's up, everybody? Ooh, sounds nice. Oh, for sure, for sure. I like this song. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Dark Racial Humor, free-flowing, in-depth conversation about whatever is appropriate at the time. My name is Bon Jin. I'm almost live from Adobe House Records in South Los Angeles, California, home of the late, great Nipsey Hussle. We're celebrating his live all 61st or 62nd episode, whatever the hell this is. It's great. It's great. It's it's starting to it's starting to heat up here. Um, I'm feeling good. Starting to get a little starting to get a little warm out here. I love it. I love it. Um, starting to feel like summer. Really need to get a grill so uh, I can start grilling up out there with the butterflies and the flies and shit. Shit. I love podcasting. Is anybody out there? Is anybody out there listening to this fucking this man just ramble? Um, hopefully. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to all our listeners. I'm logging on to Anchor right now just to see what the numbers are at. Um, so first and foremost, we have 817 total plays since we joined Anchor in February. 58% of our listeners are from the United States. 24 are from the UK. Greetings, UK people. 8% from France. What's up, France? Canada, 3%. Netherlands, 1%. I want to dig into, uh, so all the UK are in England. Um, that's cool. Um, U.S., shout out California, Maryland, Florida, Wisconsin, Zona, Michigan, and Tennessee. 
I love it. I love it. Thanks for staying racial. Um, we have a lot more to talk about. Just kidding. We don't at all. Um, I'm really going to drag this along because I like making money and I like just fucking just talking. Today's hashtag equal payday on Twitter. Um, what the hell is that? Okay. So we're going to explain it. I'm going to explain it. Um, equal payday. Apparently, I woke up to this. April 2nd, 2019. So, um, according to some people, a woman makes 77% of what a man makes to the dollar. Um, so, women would have to work instead of 12 months, the 12 months of 2018, all the way into April, so January, February, March, April, 16 months to make the same amount as a man. Um, which is interesting because paying minimum the same has been the law since like 1963. Right? Um, equal Wage Act. Yep, Equal Wage Act of 1963. Um, let's read it. It's to prohibit the discrimination on account of sex in the payment of wages by employees engaged in commerce or in the production of goods by commerce. So, um, have all of these businesses been breaking the law blatantly for the past... What, almost 60 years? Because that's what it seems like. No, that's simply not the case. Where this information comes from, the 77 cents to the dollar, is not incorporating so much more important information. Like, um, first of all, what kind of job are they doing? What hours are they taking? Did they take off time to raise a family? Which is the biggest, because during that time, that's when a lot of important initial career advancements start to take place. When people start noticing that they begin making more money. And when women come back into the workforce after starting a family, after taking three to five years off or so, two, three, four, five years off, they're going to most likely be making the same amount of money they were making when they left their job five years ago. So this is just like, I don't know, this just feels just like a, a, a fake thing to get people riled up. Um, I've heard arguments that, like, I don't know, it's... Like, it's, it's the law, you have to pay people, like, can, can someone name a job where, like, I could apply and get paid more than a woman, because I will take that job right now. I'm sure a lot of men would, but those jobs just don't exist. So, um, yeah. I don't know, dude. Fake science, man. Fake facts. Fake facts. Look it up. Look it up, dude. Equal Pay Act of 1963. Because I work with 
women, and they get paid the same amount as me. So, I don't know. And I work for the city. I work for the government. Yeah, like, unless you're talking exclusively the private sector, yeah, go ahead. Try getting a job at Starbucks and saying, hey, yeah, I'd like to get paid. Try asking, like, hey, I would like to get paid more than women. They'll, they, yeah, you will not be hired. Come on. Okay. Fake science, man. Fake news, dude. What else is going on in the world so we can wrap up this episode? Here's a fun article from the Atlantic. Millennials are sick of drinking, but they're not giving up booze just yet. On January 20th, 2017, Casey Shoon rolled into work with a hangover. It was the morning of Donald Trump's presidential inauguration. Oh, so she was celebrating? And Shun, who doesn't count herself among the president's fan, oh, I guess so she was just drinking, had gone out for drinks with friends the night before to take her mind off it. The evenings distracted left her in pretty rough shape the next day. I was in this meeting feeling absolutely miserable, and I was like, you know, this is not what grown-ups do. Since then, Shun, who was 37, okay, 37, who lives in Den- <laughs> 37 who lives in Den I'm 23 for reference who lives in Denver has cut way back on alcohol drinking has to be more of an occasion for me now like someone's birthday or a girl's night she says so it's once in every couple weeks instead of a weekly occurrence drinking less wasn't always simple for her Denver is a young town with a vibrant brewery and bar scene the shrewd social sir okay you know what before we uh, get further into this, it's just going to say millennials are getting sick of drinking because, you know, what, they're growing up. But, you know, I have drastically cut down on drinking since college. I'm 23. I don't live in Denver, but I live in Los Angeles. There's lots of fun things to do. It's also because I'm broke, mostly, but, like, I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Let's just get back into it. In the past few weeks, I've heard from more than 100 Americans in their 20s and 30s who have begun to make similar changes in their drinking habits or who are contemplating ways to drink less. They have good company. Public health efforts have helped drive down the adolescent drinking rates, and American beverage manufacturers are beginning to hedge their bets on alcohol's future. Media, too, has noticed a change is afoot. Recent months have seen a flurry of trend stories about millennials, currently 22 to 38 years old, being sober. But sobriety, a term that generally refers to the total abs- abstention practiced by people in recovery from substance abuse problem, doesn't quite tell the story. What some have been quick to characterize as an interest in being sober might actually be more like a search for moderation in culture that has long with treated alcohol as a dichotomy. Either you drink whatever the opportunity presents itself, or you don't drink at all. Many millennials, and especially the urban college-educated consumers prized by marketers, might just be tired of drinking too much. Yep, you know what happens? Sometimes you just grow up and you realize hey you know what? i'm spending too much money on this shit i gotta eat and then you start drinking less or i don't know maybe people were drinking less because being a millennial isn't really that bad i mean think about it like yeah sure millennials may be characterized as the lazy generation or the generation that's coddled or the generation that is quote unquote cater to um i don't know but think about what millennials have built the tools facebook was created by a millennial 
the greatest communication tool in history, probably. Crazy. All of these businesses, all these thriving businesses, all of this industry that's generating millions of dollars. It is great to be alive right now in this country because at the touch of a couple buttons, you can have anything that you want at your door the next day. It has never been easier to get something. It's crazy. Maybe maybe that's why we're drinking less because it's easier to live. But then you get like, you know, mental illness and all that shit and social anxiety and all that. I don't know. I don't really want to get into it, dude. You know what? We're just going to end the episode because I want to go take a walk in the beautiful, beautiful spring air of South Los Angeles before it gets dark and scary. We're just going to – I'm just going to remind you guys that if you enjoy Dark Racial Humor, you can go ahead and subscribe. Or, I mean, you can donate to us for 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. And with that, you will get – pretty much the same thing you get for free, but it helps keep the lights on here at Adobe House Records. Um, yeah, I'm Bon Jen. I'm gonna play a little Nipsey to end the episode, and we'll see you back here tomorrow or in a couple days. Enjoy. Straight off the curb, real niggas rich as you nerds, address the woman make it sound, I don't do this for nothing. nothing. No. Uh, I don't do this shit for nothing